What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. And this is Nate Drolet. And together we form Drake and Mike Zombie. Ooh, I don't know Mike Zombie. Mike Zombie was the producer of Started From the Bottom, Now We're Here. Oh, wow, that really... The second he said producer, I was like, logically, this should have been a good guess. And then you... More the title track. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, see what you did there. Yeah, and that was the duo I used today because we are t- talking about the top bouldering tactics mistakes that we see being made. Mm-hmm. And we're not making a big list here. We've talked about tactics quite a bit on this podcast um, of, of all sorts. Um, tactics that are a positive to use, tactical mistakes. Um, we've talked about them a lot. But these are the single biggest mistakes that the two of us see, our top. Mm-hmm. And just a riddle for you, does does it frustrate you when you see this happening in real life? When it's not your clients, when it's just people at the crag, people you're talking to at the gym, whatever it is, when they when they egregiously perform the top tactical mistake that you see do you get frustrated or do you just brush it off oh it depends um like as a i feel like since becoming a coach um i'm more hesitant towards giving people advice yeah like anytime someone asks me for advice man i'll well i'm here i'm here for it yeah um but it I'm doesn't not. stop me from getting frustrated, though. It does not stop me from getting frustrated. <laughs> if anything, it's worse because I can't be like, hey, you're being an idiot right now. Yeah. Like, I, you're my friend. I love you. And that's why I'm telling you this. And there's some people I can say that to. But yeah, if it's, you know, if it's just like a mutual acquaintance, then I'm not going to, I'm not going to say anything because it's their, you know, it's their journey, their path. Yeah. Same. It's not my place to point these things out. Yeah, and I think making these mistakes is valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk about some of those reasons, you know, why these mistakes can be valuable. Uh, but but I still get frustrated as hell. Like I get in the car and I'm like, what what on earth? <laughs> you know, has that person never listened to one of our tactics podcasts? Exactly. You know? That's so. my exact thought. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Well, this is the first official board meeting uh, in person in a year. Yeah. So I'm psyched for that. I think Same. I feel like we've got the the remote board meetings pretty dialed in, but it's still a different thing when we're sitting here in person. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm I'm glad you're here. Uh, maybe we just jump into this thing. Um, and first, before we do jump in, let me say a lot of you are making huge errors all the time. Me too. 
you know, oh, we all are. Me too. Yeah. Um, but these are ones that Nate and I both think are major ones that we see. And we're not pointing these out so that you can go point it out at the crag constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's not the point here. But my guess is you're going to fall into both of these traps no matter how hard you try not to. You know, I can think of times recently when I've fallen into both of these, no matter how frustrating they are for me to see. Same. So apply this to yourself, not to the people at the crag. Unless you're, unless they're your friends, then tell them all you want. Yeah. My number one, it's a little bit of a pet peeve even. It's gotten so bad. My number one bad tactic I see with boulders is starting from the bottom every attempt. Mm-hmm. Hence the duo. Yeah. It's I would like to say it's it's a newer climber mistake. Um but not necessarily. It may not even be starting from the bottom every attempt. It might just be starting from the bottom way too often when you don't know the things that are going to happen later in the boulder. And you're always climbing into some position where you're still on siding or you haven't explored what might be the problem areas of the boulder. Um, And there are a lot of reasons for that, but every level climber I see doing this, Mm -hmm. sitting down, starting from the start thinking, I'm just going to send it now 42 attempts in a row. Yes. For six straight days. Yeah. And this is indoors and outdoors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are ways around this. But why do you think people are so insistent on starting from the bottom every single time? Well, Chris, if I get lucky and do the move, I want to do it from the ground. I need to just send this thing. <laughs> it's, all, it's also funny to me because it's arbitrary, right? Like it, the, the boulder could start anywhere. Somebody just made up oh, we're going to start here and we're going to finish here. And now we all are beholden to sitting down and starting on this hold for every single attempt, which makes no sense to me. I I feel like it's fun actually to start from different positions and do different links and, you know, different overlaps and then to be able to execute the boulder in a, in a way that feels good. Yeah. I think you learn more from it that way too. Um, you know, I think some other reasons why this happens is maybe they just don't recognize that they're nowhere near yeah. doing it. I yeah. think that I think that's an a common issue with newer climbers is mm-hmm. they don't recognize how large the process can be and how new to the process they are with that climb. They're like, man, I, you know, I just got to do it once. And I do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think with more experienced climbers, it can be, you know, honestly, like one like one thing I think that can happen is not warrant, wanting to work out the rest because maybe it's like a little intimidating to try bigger links. Yeah. Both of those things, I think, are two of the major reasons. Um, a lot of people think it's just going to be faster, like, Oh, just get it done. Mm-hmm. And then I can move on to something else. And oftentimes it ends up not being faster. 
Um, and I think this can get tricky because there are times when maybe you just needed to try harder and you can do that next move. Yeah. You know, you sit down, you start, you've got the kind of momentum from starting at the bottom, your end send position, you try really hard on the one move, you do it, you go to the top. Mm -hmm. But as boulders get harder for you, whatever your grade is, there are more difficult moves in a row and it's much harder to get lucky or just have, I tried a little bit harder. So I did the move be the reason that you're still on the wall mm -hmm. when there's lots of hard moves in a row. You know, there's almost always needs to be some level of practice that happens there for you to connect all these difficult positions together. Mm hmm. So it's, it can seem faster than doing all this extra work, but I've heard so many people say, I don't need to do that link. I don't need to do that overlap. I don't need to work the top out Yeah, and then fall there over and over and over and over and over for days, weeks, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, is unquestionably slower. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think another reason why this might happen is people haven't had a, they haven't been burned enough. Like, yep. and they haven't been burned enough and they haven't seen that there's another way. Like, I mean, cause I'll see people not, not even look at the top out of a boulder. Like they're like, Oh, I really want to try and flash this boulder. And if I say that I'm getting on another boulder, I'm climbing up trees near it. I'm stacking pads. Like I'm doing everything. Yeah. Checking every box. Mm-hmm. And man, I'll see people like blow the flash of a hard boulder on a top out because they were like, oh, I didn't know where to go up there. Right. And it's like, hey, there's a sidewalk of a ramp on the back of this. You literally could have just walked up, would have taken you two minutes. Yep. Like, this sucks. You need to remember this from now on. Like every time you want to go try and flash a boulder. Um, so yeah, I think some people may have just not experienced it enough and may have just not been surrounded by other people with good tactics. There's a lot of choss tactics out there. Yeah, and, and we've seen this happen with extremely experienced climbers or extremely strong climbers, you know. There was a video of somebody... Oh, Liam. I think that's right. Yeah. Is it Sleepwalker or Squoz or Squoz, V14 slash 15. Yeah. And he had tried it for a couple sessions. Has the same top out as Sleepwalker. This is, for anyone who wants to see the greatest punt of all time. <laughs> it's amazing. He has a video of it. Um, it's his Las Vegas trip. And he was out there, tried it for a couple days, gets up in the top outs like V2. And mind you, V14 slash 15, he mm -hmm. goes up. And maybe what makes this video the best is the fact that he's narrating the whole time. Like he, yeah. it's him climbing, but then he has a voiceover narration that lets you know just how awful the train wreck you're watching is. Um, <laughs> But yeah, Liam A.B. Uh, Abersforth Bancroft, maybe. Um, but yeah, gets up, gets up to the V2 section that it's a huge jug. And he had always just dropped off because he had watched people do it. Yeah. You just put a foot up, you rock up to a jug and you're done. V V0 slab to the top. And he sits there for like two minutes and slowly panic creeps in. <laughs> Oh my God. I think he says something like, this is a tragedy. Like as he, as he's actively hanging on and pumping out and pumping off this thing and he just drops, like he tries to move a few times 
And you know what's even better is I think he stuck around for like another month to try and send it. Never did. Never did it? No. Oh. Still a project. Liam, that just broke my heart. Yeah. It's tragic. (laughs) Liam, thank you for the humor in in your video and in that moment. And it breaks my heart if you did not do that thing. Yeah. Um, But it's not, it's, that just goes to show it's not specific to new climbers or inexperienced climbers or climbers climbing below whatever level, you know, we can all fuck up these tactics. Yeah. And you have to, you have to pay attention to them or accept the, the consequences when, when it doesn't go in your favor, you know, and you don't get lucky. Yeah. It's a, it's a totally real thing. And I, I think that it can actually be a really good thing for people. Like you said, they haven't been burned enough. Mm-hmm. I think it can be good for people to, to do this, to start from the bottom too often. <laughs> because you do, let me qualify that, as long as you do it with some level of awareness, it can be good for you. Because you do start to better understand the places where you're going to have trouble. Yes. Um, and then down the road, you can shift that tactical approach into, oh, I tried these moves. I recognize, because I've done this a lot, that these moves might cause me trouble from the start. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to wire these right now. And then if you know you eventually get to this place where you're not getting surprised nearly as often by what seems difficult or how, some, how difficult something seems when you start from the bottom. Yes. Yeah, I I do think starting from the bottom can be a really good tool um, for highlighting how a sequence is going to feel. Like it's yeah. kind of it's your way of going in, double checking. Hey, how is how is everything going? You yeah. know, if you think your sequence for move two through five is awesome, but then you pull on from the start and it just falls apart by move five, you know, it's like oh well, maybe I could fix this. So you can. Then return back to the four to five, move four to five sequencing, figure that out. And then you're like, okay, I have that dialed. I think I know the rest decently. Let's go back, try it from the start one more time, run through just to double check. And then you're like, oh, okay, I'm getting to move six now. Cool. Yeah. Let's keep refreshing. And so I don't think starting from the beginning is, it's not a bad thing. It's like what you said. It's, you know, there's use to it. Yeah. Um, And there's also a distinct difference between move six got harder for me when I started from the bottom just because all the moves are hard in a row mm-hmm. and there's a missing link somewhere in there a missing piece in my sequence that I didn't realize I didn't have, yeah. you know, and by starting at the bottom more often you do start to become more aware of those things. So, mm-hmm. so it is a learned, a learned thing, you know, by the time you're climbing V5, V6, you should be maybe steering away from starting at the bottom as often. Um, and I think one surefire way to know you've fallen into this trap is if you're barely making any progress on a bunch of attempts in a row, hmm. you know, or if you're, if you think it's not the end of the session and I'm, you know, 
declining for some reason, it's a really good idea to go check out the rest. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a great time to go check out the rest. And I think something you said earlier I'd like to touch on a little more um, before we move on to yours, and that's if, you know, the, the top out or the rest of the boulder might be intimidating. That's a real thing, you know. Mm-hmm. We, we can very much walk up to a thing, want to climb it, be excited to climb it, but also be intimidated by it. Yes. Um, absolutely a thing that happens all the time. And if you're really honest with yourself, you know that you're avoiding something and you know why you're avoiding it, you know. Um, and more times than not, I've, when I've caught myself avoiding something, especially if it's the top out or a, a link I don't want to make because I'm like, oh, that, that link's going to take a lot of energy and yeah. it's going to be hard. I don't want to fail on the link because that means I'm farther away from this problem than I thought I was, mm-hmm. you know. More often than not, when I've done that, I've either been surprised at how much easier it was than I thought it was going to be, mm-hmm. or by how much less scary it was, or it usually works out in my favor. You know, yeah. once I do the link, I send the boulder faster. It's always that link you're afraid of that actually means the most, and we end up avoiding most often. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times checking that box is what lets you mentally switch over to, oh, I can do this now. Yeah. Um, One other thing I'd add to this as far as starting at the bottom every time is mentally starting at the bottom. Like I see this all the time with people. They will focus on, they'll look up and they say, okay, like opening moves, crux move, cool, whatever, 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 whatever. And They'll climb through to the top, and but they don't set themselves up for success. Like I see this in the gym more often than outside, mm. but they won't even look at the top because they just, in their mind, they're like, oh, well, you know, there's a hard section here and I'll need to figure that out. And so they just plan on kind of getting to it as they get to it. Right. And which, I mean, you know, if you think it's going to be really hard, like trying the crux early is cool and that's important, but at least have an idea for what you're doing beyond that. Yeah. Like, you know, especially if you get through the crux, like you had to put through, put out a lot of energy. And if you fell in like, you know, the gimme climbing because you just didn't look up, um, that's a waste of energy. Yeah. You may not get through the crux again. Yeah. It might take you another session. Yeah. That's a real thing. Um, and again, I think it's an important thing to, to make these mistakes and, work through them and just do it in a really aware way um, so that you can better understand like I can look at this crux and know it's going to take this amount of energy out of me or I can try the moves once and think oh this is going to sap me mm-hmm. so these V4 moves to the top out are going to feel much different when I'm in this position you know mm-hmm. so I think it's important to make the mistakes so that you can become more and more aware as you become a more experienced climber. Um, You'll send more boulders with good tactics than you will with improved strength. Yes. Um, Most of us will anyway. Yeah. Tactics are huge. I'd also say one last thing on this is that, and this applies mostly to outdoor boulders, 
if you haven't tried the top of something at all, if you've been afraid of the top out and you haven't tried it, you climb through the crux, you get to the top out. Oftentimes, unless there's a big crew of people with a bunch of pads, there's some shuffling of pads that has to happen on a boulder. Mm -hmm. And spotters have to spot differently for top outs, you know, than they do for the low crux moves. Yeah. And it's to your benefit to have tried that and have shuffled pads with your spotter, you know, to be able to say, exactly. And to be able to say, this is where I want my pads. This is where I want my spotter. You know, when I get to this move, I'm solid. That's when you shuffle the pads over to here. Yep. And then I can top out and feel confident that if I fall, I'm safe. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you haven't practiced that, you just don't know. Then it's all on the fly and you're hoping that you're safe up there while you're encountering something that was intimidating you to begin with. So better to push through that, get it out of the way and, and send the boulder faster. Um, yeah. Um, last thing for me on this is, and I think this is the second time I've said that already, but, <laughs> uh, this especially works well if you're climbing outside, cause typically you don't go to as many boulder problems, but if you're, let's say you've been working the crux and you're like, okay, I'm too tired to work the crux. Start using the rest. Like you can use the rest of a boulder or specific moves or sequences as part of your warm up or your cool down. Yeah, totally. Um, a classic example of this for me was Biggie Shorty in Little Rock City. V10 opening move for me was the crux. And from after the opening move, it's maybe like V8 to the top, but you do, you know, let's say four moves in, it's like V6 to the top. So what I would do is I'd go warm up elsewhere, come back, do the V6 high stand, do the V8, you know, from one move in, and then I would start trying the opening move. When I was done, I would do the V8 like another two, three times, and then I would do the V6 another like couple times. Yep. Just so that I had it wired. The very first time I ever stuck that first move, I took it to the top. Yep. And that's like, yeah. And also for me, that made sense because there's a traverse that comes in from another side that adds a few grades. And I was like, well, anything I learn here, it's going to pay forward on that one too. Um, but that's, I mean, that's something you can do for pretty much any climb you do. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. Do the top out as part of your warm up. When you're done, rehearse the top a couple times, you know, full service and, uh, Waco is a good example of this for me too. Uh, this stand is maybe V5. I found it very intimidating. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every day I would go to work it, Step one, get the pads out. Step two, lean across the boulder, pull onto the high start and top it out. And yeah. every time I'd be like, "Wolf, that's still nerve wracking. I'd try the boulder, you know, project it at the end. I'd run the top out two more times. Yeah, especially if it's something that scares you or intimidates you. I think that's a great tactic. If it, if it works on that boulder that you can skip the crux and just do the top out to get your brain ready for it to get your fear response ready for it i think it's a super smart way to do it it's the way i do it in my fear of the antelope video that i put out Mm -hmm. not long ago yeah um that top scared me scared me to death understandable but that's how i would warm up anyway Mm -hmm. because i know to send the boulder i have to do the top and i'm gonna have to do it more tired so if i can't get comfortable doing if i can't push myself through it easily when I'm fresh, how am I going to do it when I'm fatigued and coming from the bottom crux? Yeah. 
Yeah, totally. So um, I will try and link to that if I remember to that Liam video on oh, his yeah. Instagram. And again, thanks, Liam. <laughs> oh, and sorry. <laughs> thanks and sorry. Yeah. Uh, what's what's your biggest uh, pet peeve of tactics? The biggest mistake you see often made bouldering. Um, the, the biggest one I see is not going back to problems mm. or not going back with intention. So not going back is just simply, you know, you, oh, you try this boulder, it went pretty well. And if this is inside, uh, you know, I've, I've used the phrase that we live in a f- age of fast food bouldering. Mm-hmm. And I still strongly believe that. You we know? do, for sure. There are so many good climbs in the gym and they turn over so quickly yep. and it is so fun to do all of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can't like, unless you're just an absolute monster, you can't keep up with setting. So what happens is most times people will go in, uh, they'll try something. And if they don't send it that session, maybe they come back a second session, but the second a new set comes up, that's it. Yep. Like they may go one day back to another boulder, but you know, they end up leaving behind all of these things where it was like, man, those are some good opportunities they had. Um, but you see this outside too. Like people go out and they'll try something, maybe do decently, but then the next time they go out, you know, their friends want to go to a different problem or a different sector and they don't speak up for themselves. And yep. so when they do end up coming back to a problem, it's not because they plan to, they just happen to be in the area. So maybe they didn't warm up well, maybe they're just mentally not there. Or they didn't talk with their friends and say, hey, like, you know, I'll go spot you for the first half of the day. I want two hours on my problem. And that's going to be awesome for me. Yeah, I think that's big. And and I don't think it only applies to, like, um, people who go once or twice and never go back. I think it applies to anybody who, like, finds their comfort spot in working on something. You know, it might be four or five sessions. Um, but then they get to a certain place that they're, they've not practiced pushing through and then they just move on to another boulder. Mm -hmm. Um, I see that pretty regularly. They just decide like, like there has been, um, this flag that was raised and, you know, said, Oh, this is the point. You can't do this boulder if you haven't done it by now, you know, and I, I've worked on boulders for a lot of days and I can very confidently say you have not learned everything about that boulder and there's more to learn. There's more things you can change to make it better. Um, four or five sessions, six sessions, seven sessions, maybe even a year of sessions is not enough (laughs) depending on what you're willing to push through. I'm not willing to push through that. (laughs) I'll give you four. I need some overlapping links by four. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I want some overlapping links too, but they might just be overlapping links on the first half. Yeah. (laughs) So overlapping foothold, foot move links. Exactly. On some boulders, that's a lot. No kidding. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good point. People don't come back after their comfort zone too. Like I, man, I was guilty of this in the South more than anything. There was just so many good, like this is when I was climbing in, you know, like a V time V nine V ten range, and so were all my friends. Yeah, and there's so many good ones. Mm-hmm. Man, you know, someone would be like, "Hey, we're going out to this." I'm like, "Let's go!" 
you know, we go out, we session all day. I may fall off the last move. Yeah. Next day, they're like, oh, we're going down to Alabama to go climb on that. I'm like, cool, I'm in, let's go. You know, end of the season comes along and I'm like, man, I fell off the last move of 20 boulders. Right. I did five. Yeah. And that for me was a lot of times, like I just loved climbing with a site crew. And so I went along with it. But, you know, I should have just spoken up and been like, hey, like, let's go back to this thing. Exactly. And everyone would have been just as psyched. Yeah. Um, but that was, you know, and maybe there was something there with me. Like, it, it's also a lot of fun to figure out new moves. Like, it's fun to go try new problems where you have a lot of success. So, or like success in the short term. So it could have been one of those things where I, uh, you know, maybe I was subconsciously not going back for fear of, well, what if I give it two or three sessions and everyone comes to my boulder and I don't send it. Yeah. I think that's really important to talk a little more about, um, many of us boulder because it's a social thing. It's really fun. The psyched crew, you're all working on the same boulder. Um, but inevitably somebody is the last to send it, mm -hmm. you know, and oftentimes depending on a group's dynamics, it can be the same person, you know, who follows around, learns a lot on the boulder, mm -hmm. but is the last one to send it. And then the group moves on to another boulder or that, you know, they don't send, um, and the yeah. group moves on to another boulder. I think that person has to take responsibility for that. It's really easy to blame the group, mm -hmm. you know, but you have to communicate with your group, you know, communicate with your partners and let them know this, this boulder is important to me. You know, yeah. I want to do this boulder. I'm, I feel like I could do it. Even if it's just, I want to go back for, you know, 45 minutes or an hour of the session the next time that we're out, I want to go back and spend some time on this boulder. And more often than not, your partners, your crew are going to be psyched to do it. Yeah. And the, and it's just never going to work out that you're all climbing on the same things and sending at the same rate all the time. Yeah. Better now to learn how to split up your days amongst a bunch of different boulders, people of different abilities, it just makes it a much more fun session um, when you can do that. So mm -hmm. I think it's important for you, if you're that person, to take that responsibility and start having those talks with your partners. If if you're the person who sends quick, see if one partner is getting left behind and make sure you're helping them spend some time on these things too. It can be a tough place to be, I think. Yeah, and I... You know, I think the reverse can happen too in that I've had clients who they were the strong person in their group, maybe by like three V grades. Mm -hmm. So they feel they're like, oh, I'm going out in a group of eight people. Strike number one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. We've said this before. I'm going to say it again. Get rid of your friends. They're holding you back. <laughs> but they'll go out in a group of eight people and, you know, let's say everyone's climbing V5, V6. Right. And... A couple of things might happen. They might hang out and like support everyone. Maybe they're running laps on these things because they're there anyways. And they want to go project their V10. Well, when they get to the V10, one of two things happens. One, they've, they're already tired because they've been climbing on all the other stuff. But what mostly ends up happening is they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm only one person. The other seven people can't climb right now. Right. And 
I feel bad. I'll, I'll, I'll try it for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And then, you know, we, we can go to something else. Just don't, don't even worry about it. Yeah. You know, they turn into this and it's like, Hey man, you know, I can tell you having climbed with stronger climbers. It's cool to see someone shred. Yeah. Like I love that man. And if you just sat at my project for an hour, man, I'm here for it. Like I'm going to eat a sandwich, like, you know, watch, get some photos for the gram. Like it's going to be great. I'm going to make the most of this. Yep. Like you take your time. Um, but I, that's something I've, have worked with quite a bit with clients and it's tough. Cause you know, I mean, it's fair to have those feelings of, well, I don't want to make all these people wait. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, create that communication. Like if you're not giving yourself the chance, I mean, that's the thing too. Like these, these people that I'm thinking of, they didn't have a chance to send, you know, their V10 project cause they're spending like 15 minutes on it. Right. Like you gotta be really strong to send v10 in 15 minutes consistently totally like at that point it's like cool you have to be really strong to send anything at your top grade in 15 minutes exactly at that point it's no longer your your top it's not your top grade yeah it's like oh that's two to three grades under what you can do right right so you don't even get to explore your top grade if you're putting yourself into that position or if you're putting your partners into that position they don't get to explore it yeah you you said something a minute ago that reminded me of a blog post you wrote years ago called the locals disadvantage oh yeah um that i you know i think a lot of us a lot of the people listening kind of have their home areas that they've climbed at a lot and and i would i would challenge anybody to look at those home areas and and try to decide if there are boulders out there that you've said Oh, I'll just, I'll wait till I'm stronger or I can climb on that anytime. I don't need to do that right now. It's not going anywhere. Right. So look for those things. And if you, if you find that those things are out there and you've regularly said it's going to be there, go do it, go get on it now. Yeah. You know, stop, stop wasting because yes, that boulder is probably going to be there long after you're gone, but your time is is precious and why not go do the things you know especially if you're intimidated by it Uh, my friend may has a phrase nervous means do it Mm. and if you're if you're nervous to go try a thing because you don't know how you're gonna perform you might not be able to do it that's all the more reason that you should go try that thing especially if it's in your backyard you know that's where you're going to climb your hardest most likely because you've got all the time to put into it so go try the thing yeah i like that go try it and be tenacious with it like approach it like approach it as if you're on a trip and this is you know a dream line cuz chances are you might have great lines near you yeah and it's one of those things that I, you know, I've had clients who move across the country and they're still thinking about the lines that they used to live next to. They're like, man, you know, I love where I live now, but I still, I still think about that route a lot and I'd love to train to get back to it. And I wonder what it would have been like if they now could have talked to their younger self, you know, let's say from three years ago and been like, Mm -hmm. Hey, get on it, like, try it, just trust yourself, see it through. Cause you're going to be sad if you, you're going to be sad when this is gone. Yeah, totally. And don't start from the bottom every attempt. Don't, don't start from the bottom every attempt. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to follow this one up with our top sport climbing tactical mistakes that we see. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And in the meantime, uh, I will link to several of our other bouldering tactics episodes right there in the show notes in your pocket supercomputers. Uh, one of those episodes talks about tools and we just recently put out our popular finger files that were initially part of our crag kit. Those are now out separately. We've added a fine grit file. We used to have only the medium, so those are all available on the website. You can find the link right there in the show notes in your pocket supercomputers. And you can find us at powercompanyclimbing.com. You can find us on the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Pinterest, the YouTubes. Who knows what other things we're on at this point? I can't keep <laughs> up. Um, at Power Company Climbing. And let us know on the Twitter what your least favorite tactical mistake is. But we are not going to see it because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles.